Good evening once again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Socially Distant, where the CDC has told us that starting a podcast is a great way to make sure that nobody wants to fucking be around you. I'm your host, <laughs> Alex Weber, by, by my side once again. Ramrod. Uh, my name is Ramrod. Uh, Ramrod Richie Oliver. Ramrod Richie Oliver, yes. he is. Uh, he's back on the streets and he's ramming his rod. I'm ramming my rod. Good old ramrod. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so, Richie, what's, how's your weekend been? Or how was your my weekend? My weekend's it's, been good. It's Sunday night. Yep. I, uh, yesterday I went for a really nice walk with my dad. Ooh. Oh, yes, I did see pictures of that. I took some cool pictures of him. I want to have conversations with him on these walks and actually record them and just call it Walks with Jim and make him famous. Yes. I think it'd be really, really funny. Just Walks with Jim. And, um, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. And then I, I watched the rest of the Long Strange Trip Grateful Dead documentary on Amazon Prime, even though I also do own it on Blu-ray, but that's not the point. Yeah, so this is going to be uh, probably our main topic of the day. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. How about yourself? How was your weekend before we get into the huge big topic? Yeah, so <clears throat> my weekend was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, really didn't do much, especially to. Well, actually, today was... I had some times both yesterday and today where, like, I just did some cleaning. Like, I really had yep. to clean some shit around my house, you know, mm-hmm. clean the floors, bathroom, stuff like that. Yep. So, that was good, but I do have a really bad, like, dust mite allergy, so I gotta, like, clean for, like, ten minutes and then, like, take a break for a bit and then, like, go back to it. So, yep. I've been, like, sparsing it out over the past couple days. Um, but that's kind of about it. Signed up for my 401k yesterday. Um, okay. Even though I'm <laughs> going on furlough tomorrow. Yeah. Because um, I got a thing in the mail being like, all right, if you don't um, pick like a percentage or whatever, pick a plan by the 10th, we'll just automatically do this. And it was going to be a little bit more than what I wanted to, especially at this yep. point. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, I'd like to get this done before I'm technically not employed. So like it's yep. it's done before that. So I figured I'd just do that. Mm-hmm. Um and then yesterday, there was, like, a decent amount of time, like, around the afternoon, where it was just really, really nice outside, mm-hmm. as you know, because you went on a walk with your dad. Yep. Um, I took a little quick lap around the block and then took both my kitchen stools out on my back porch, and the sun was hitting me, like, literally directly, like, I'm in perfect line of sunlight. Oh, perfect. And so I just sat there for, like, an hour plus, <laughs> just hung out on the porch. That's awesome. It was super Once nice. this ends, we'll have to go and get chairs for your porch. Dude, I know. I was looking on Wayfair and some other websites yesterday trying to just, like, get some porch furniture ideas. I wish there was an a uh, an outlet out there so I could put, like, street yeah. lights up, but unfortunately, none. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, other than that, uh, been watching a lot of Netflix and Amazon Prime in my downtime. Nice, same. Um, before we get into the Amazon Prime quick sidebar on what I was watching on Netflix today. Oh, It's yes. called um, Unorthodox, mm-hmm. and it is a Netflix show that is, I believe, it is based on a book, um, so like a, a, a true events, but it's a dramatization mm-hmm. of it, and it is about this woman who is a Hasidic Jew in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and she gets married at like 18 i think and then a year later finds a way to sneak 
out and go to Berlin because she oh, wants shit. she wants to like have her own life and wants to get out of that you know culture and lifestyle. Oh damn! And so I'm only about like halfway through episode two, maybe. Um, okay. But it's four episodes in total, mm-hmm. so it's really not a long series. Um, but I would definitely recommend it because it's super interesting, and I guess they all, Netflix also has a like making of little documentary Ooh, after that. Um, that sounds really cool. So I'll, I'll probably watch that. It was recommended to me by a friend, and they were like, "Is this just like they just making this up, or is this how these you know this group of people actually is and everything?" And I guess they did take a pretty decent attention to detail of accuracy in that, especially because it's based off of a book that the person mm-hmm. who actually did it wrote. So. I'm going to trust that the accuracy is really good, but it's definitely, you know, pretty eye-opening and just interesting to see, you know, another culture and religion in that sense because I've spent a lot of time in New York, and so I've seen a lot of Hasidic Jews, but I don't really know that much about what goes on beyond me seeing them on the street. Exactly. Definitely interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really cool. That's actually, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, like, if I really wanted to, I could probably finish it tonight. I don't think I will, because I'm going to go watch something else, probably. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing that I did finish quite quickly as well, not not quite four episodes, it was six episodes, and that was yeah. the Amazon Prime Long Strange Trip documentary about the Grateful Dead, which... Yes. Richie, you recommended this to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. I also have it on Blu-ray, but I watched it on Prime. See, I would really like to go back. When this all clears over and I come over at some point eventually, we need to watch the Blu-ray because I feel like it looks gorgeous. Um, oh, yeah. I bet it would just be amazing. But, uh, yeah, the runtime, it's uh, 242 minutes. Yeah. So it's a little over – it's almost five hours long. Um, yeah, it was, inter- it was interesting that, like, you know, some of the episodes were, like, an hour, but then there was one that was, like, 38 minutes, which you don't really see a lot. Usually it's, like, a, all the episodes are the same length. But, mm-hmm. you know, yep. that was good that it wasn't seven hours because I'd probably still be watching it. Yep. But um, it started at Friday afternoon, I think. Is that when you recommended it to me? Uh, um, Friday or Thursday night, probably. Probably Thursday yeah. night I recommended it to you. And then Friday, I watched two more. Okay. And then you finished oh, yeah, then it I watched Friday more. night. Yeah. Um, well, I finished. Did I finish it yesterday? I think I finished it yesterday. Yes, um, I believe you did finish it yesterday yeah okay mm-hmm. so thursday through yep. saturday sounds about right <laughs> yep um but yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite uh like band documentaries uh that exists uh it's for to me it's just it's so well made amir barlev directed um uh executive produced by dave lemieux um who uh was the grateful dead's uh archivist uh justin kreutzman son of bill kreutzman the um uh, one of the drummers hmm. and uh, an executive producer on this project was also Martin Scorsese. Oh, cool! Which I thought was a really cool thing to include there, um, just because he is uh, just an incredible filmmaker, and I really love yeah. his films. But yeah, it really follows, and it, it if uh, it's a great introduction for people who have never seen The Grateful Dead before. Yeah. So just as mm-hmm. like a, a quick backstory for you, those of you who don't know, Richie is by all senses of the term a deadhead. I'm um, a huge deadhead myself. It has been mm-hmm. since I've ever fucking known him. Um, yeah, I've, I've, since about 14 is yeah. when I really got into him. So, Richie has that in his back pocket. I mm-hmm. have known about the Grateful Dead. I have heard music by the Grateful Dead, but never mm-hmm. really went past that. Um, 
it's not that I had anything against them. I was just like incredibly indifferent about them. Yeah, um, I I agree. And so Richie recommended this documentary do, or docu series to me. Um, and it, actually, it, it was kind of funny on the timing because I saw that Facebook post you made where you're like, "I'm trying to make uh, JB." A deadhead, yep. and I'm just like yep. I'm the final boss. <laughs> like, yeah, so that was just like, dude, watch me. this. Um, so yeah, so I, you know, figured, what the hell, I've got nothing else better to do. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it was six episodes, which is super easy to crush through. Yep. And so I went into it, and I was hooked. I'm not gonna say hooked to the band yet. But yeah. I was hooked into the documentary like halfway mm-hmm. through episode one, because um, like you said, it is so well made, mm-hmm. and what helped me gain at least an appreciation for the group was getting to start out at before they were the Grateful Dead and get like the full. Here's pre-band. And we're going to yep. walk you through the entire, you know, lifetime of this group. And so exactly, for me yep. to get that sort of backstory mm-hmm. and get acquainted with everyone, that was really important for how I now have a more respect and interest in the band and how involved I got into the documentary because I was like, yep. I was glued to it when I was watching it. Um, exactly especially how they got their starts this band got their starts at ken kesey's barn acid tests yeah in san francisco in uh, the 50s and very early 60s they were the warlocks and they yeah. they show up and they would what's funny is that they would also just all the band would trip completely mm. and start just improvising so a lot of the stuff that was even played at these acid tests yeah um probably is stuff that they would have never written without hunter or anything so I'd even love to see if I could find recordings of those acid tests and just cool. listen and see what came out of it. Yeah, because, like, yeah. obviously, the Grateful Dead and Psychedelics are sort of synonymous. Um, mm-hmm. But so, like, I kind of knew that going into it, but, like, once they kicked in talking about, like, the acid tests and everything and, like, really got into, like, the 60s stuff, I was like, okay, I'm buckling the fuck up. This is just yep. what I want to watch right now. I was so, like, something about that, era of the 60s and like that whole thing mm-hmm. just getting mm-hmm. to like watch footage of it and learn more about it it just it fucking speaks to me some way like I, i'm fascinated by it um so just at a base level that was really cool but then the production value on of the footage and the documentary around it i was just like this is super cool um yeah it, it's just it's one of those they're one of those bands that have honestly stood the test of time yeah um and and they they were tested heavily i mean with the whole my favorite is their the the family picture yeah in 74 and just so many fucking people part of that and dude the wall of sound yeah oh was incredible like that's something that i've known about for a long time um Mm -hmm. just being but to like like actually hear about it more and to really be into it and how they made the the base stack 32 feet high yeah. because that was a standing base wave yeah like, I was like that's fucking crazy and of course it was it, all designed by uh, a mad scientist who cr- cr- creates lsd yeah. owsley stanley who yeah. actually came up with the inspiration they called him the bear yeah and that's actually where they got the dancing bears like mm. if you ever notice like the um there's actually a uh an album that i love called bears picks 
Yeah. And it's uh, Bear, and he came up with, like, these picks, and it's all, like, really early dead stuff. Oh, cool. So it was, like, Pigpen's really just long blues. Like, they did, like, a 16-minute blues called Katie May, and they would just jam. And my, my dad had his eye surgery, and he was recuperating from that. Oh, I remember that. That was, like, the only album that he had playing <laughs> at the time it was just that over and over, and he just listened to it all day long. Yeah, I mean, the wall of sound is just, like, it's fascinating because yep. of what it is and then to see it like the footage of like the whole like road crew like putting it together it's like that is freaking insane and yep. so when i started watching i'm like oh yeah no. and then it hit me like a couple episodes in i'm like wait a minute there better be some wall of sound shit on here and you mm -hmm. had told me that it's coming so i'm like all right sweet so i was super stoked when i got to that part um yeah. Again, just it's, for oh, that man, was what was so that? Good. Early seventy three, seventy four. They debuted. Yep, seventy three, seventy four, and um, they basically used it for about like, I want to say like a year. Like they yeah. really only used the wall of sound for about a year. Yeah. And, it was until such a pain they stopped. In the ass. It, exactly. Like they once they realized that like, shit, we're. What, what did you say? Like we'd wake up at six a.m. and do a full oh show, God, and then yeah. be up at six a.m. the next day to start the next one. Yeah. Like. Like, listening to that breakdown of the time schedule was, like, ridiculous. Yep. Especially coupled on the fact that these people are all doing, like, hella drugs and drinking and just, you know, living that life. Um, exactly. Yeah. I also uh, watched a little bit, the very first part today, of what I'll recommend to you, Dead Set. It's on Prime. Okay. It's, um, it's two electric sets and a starting acoustic set of The Dead uh, from 1980. Mm -hmm. um, actually hosted by uh, Frank Frank and Dave, which was Al Franken and Dave someone else. And they actually came out and like did stand-up comedy before oh, they cool. started. And they actually do these little like bits in between, almost like a WWE type thing oh like backstage. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Um, Al Franken plays Harry Ki uh, Henry Kissinger <laughs> and is he's caught with like a tape recorder. Yeah. And Bill Kreutzmann comes out and he's like, give me the damn tape. <laughs> and they ask Brent Midland to like help him out and introduce him. He was like, "Yeah, get Brent Midland to introduce us. He's been with the band what five minutes? Yeah, so it's it's just so, such a funny thing, and that's what I also love about the Dead is how they were allowed people to tape the shows. Yeah, my favorite quote from Jerry in the film is, "Once I'm done with the music, the, that's the people's. They can do whatever they want after it." Yeah, I like, I do respect that because like again, the label was like, "Oh, well, they're trying to take this and." do this and they're like well we can either be cops or we could just let them do it so they can go do it um, exactly and just like seeing they had a couple pictures of like people with their collections of like dead show tapes and i'm like that is insane yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> if you uh, if you go onto the national archives archive.org oh, yeah, they have like a ton the of them yeah you go to the audio section there's just a whole section of dead tapes that's cool. it's actually like one of the first things that you see is grateful dead and it's just like oh perfect and you can also look up Dead and Company. Like, people tape the Dead and Company shows. People tape Dark Star Orchestra shows. Yeah. So, like, I can go back and listen to the show that they played uh, two summers ago with my dad and when I went to go see him in November with my buddy Tom Knox. That's and, cool. And, like, I can go back and just re-listen to these shows, which were awesome, and which I think is really cool. Yeah. But was... I love that every show they played was different. Yeah, that's really – that was really cool, too. And that's definitely part of the appeal of why people keep going to them is – I forgot who it was. There's one guy who was like, oh, yeah, well, I saw these last two shows, and they played this song this way, but, like, if I don't go to this one, I'm probably going to miss something that's different, so. Exactly. Yeah. I think that was Al Franken talking about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he was like, 
I remember the Althea from NASA. You're probably a Hampton guy. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, that was that's such a fun part because he's like, you're probably a Hampton guy, and he's like, yeah, and then he's like, that has a flavor of this one, but it's not this one yeah. that I saw. And then two two nights later, they did it such a different way, and it's oh man, it's so cool to yeah, see that. Definitely, definitely super interesting. Um, mm-hmm. From what I just from what I saw in the documentary, I definitely like the 60s early 70s stuff a lot um just from like watching the footage and sort of like getting the vibe from it yeah this this documentary focuses more on like that early stage anyway yeah really um which again i really like that era of music and just sort of everything about it so super cool to Mm -hmm. see that i definitely need to spend some more time with maybe like 80s later stuff and it's it's super interesting because like one thing that I noticed when I was watching it, and they were in, yeah, it was probably 80s, 80s, not quite 90s maybe, but I think it was the Deadhead episode, mm-hmm. um, when like, it was like that new generation of Deadheads, and it was all like, yep. fucking pandemonium. Something about watching that footage, because I think it was shot on like tape, or like, recorded by like news cameras, so not necessarily yep. on like film, there's just that like 80s feel to it. And yes, something definitely. and something about it just doesn't like resonate with me as much as watching like the older stuff shot on film does. That makes me sound so fucking pretentious, and I'm not trying <laughs> to be. I'm not trying to be like well, film is superior, but just like right. something about it. <laughs> just something about the way that it it feels. It just feels like televised. Exactly, and way. like uh, especially the '80s. There's something that I'm going to recommend to you now. Uh, it's called uh, Trucking Up to Buffalo. Yes. It was recorded on July 4th, 1989 in, uh, I believe it's Richmond Park, New York, in Buffalo. And, uh, yeah, I truck it up to Buffalo. And it's on. honestly my that. favorite live show that I think I've listened to and seen. And they actually have it fully videotaped and recorded. And it is just amazing. It's The music that's out of that is just phenomenal. Um, but I, eight for my, personally... I think 89 is, like, my favorite year of the dead. Yeah. Jerry is, he hit something that year, and it's, like, not, like, hit, like, a drug or shot up or anything, but he he tapped into something in him, Mm. and it resonates so well in the music, and you can tell, and in those recordings, he's he's smiling. Yeah. And he's looking at the band, and he's smiling to everyone, and he was a kind of a stoic person, but, God, he he was just so full of life, and it was so cool. To listen to and see on these recordings which is really cool hold on one quick second i gotta record a mm-hmm. quick video um i told one of my friends that we're talking about the dead on this episode and they know a bit about the dead and they sent me a picture of this album cover and he's like oh i have a question for you guys since you're talking about it how the fuck do i pronounce this so i'm just gonna say it oxomoxoa oxomoxoa yeah it's a palindrome yep and thanks that is, mickey hart and that is quoted almost directly from the documentary <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, it's just a complete nonsense word. Yeah. But they needed something. I also discovered... So I read this a long time ago, and I just went back to it now, and I was just like, oh, no. Uh, a copy of uh, Eugene O'Neill's The Iceman Cometh. It's one of my favorite plays to uh, uh, read. But I just remembered, look who look who we have on the cover. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's, it's Kevin Spacey. Dude, Ugh. fucking back in high school in my graphics class one of my really good friends and i we would mm-hmm. just like we were super cool with my teacher 
and we we would always have fun down there because it was in like the basement of the high school and it was like the coolest mm-hmm. place to be um mm-hmm. and so we were just hanging out and he always goes would be like weber if you had to get lunch with one celebrity who'd you want to go get like a sandwich with and we were both we both agreed we we're like i don't know man i kind of want to get lunch with kevin spacey and like this again this was high school so this yeah was so this was before the allegations and before any of that so yeah then like after this happened like next time i saw him I th- because that happened definitely while i was at college but so like when i saw him in newtown next he was just like who the fuck are we gonna get lunch with now man i'm like i know kevin why'd you have to do it yeah but uh, i mean i would i would have loved to have gotten lunch with jerry garcia and just kind of talked to him about just his philosophies and things and that's because... definitely another another interesting thing because mm-hmm. I, I i've probably seen footage of him talking or something previously but like to see a lot of him talking especially throughout his life was really interesting especially that last i don't know if it's last interview but it's on like the last couple episodes the like the main interview that they were using of him when they when he was talking about frankenstein yeah yeah he just yeah. seems like such like a a bubbly kind of fun fun guy yeah he was actually known to he he was his worst like critic yeah and he would come out of shows and that were particularly rocking and he would be like throwing shit backstage Really? And beating himself up because it was he thought he did such a bad job. But Dude, I feel that's so fucking hardcore. Yeah. Even over like the littlest thing. Um mm-hmm. so that's definitely cool. But yeah, I mean what I thought was really, really funny when they had just gotten signed to Warner Brothers and they wanted to mm-hmm. like record them and they just fucking dosed everyone on LSD. <laughs> Oh yeah, when they when they did Playboy After Dark, <laughs> yeah, and they dosed oh, that was funny everyone. too. That was funny oh, too. Man. And but Jerry I, Jerry dosed just the huge coffee pot. Yeah, and they tried to give it to the to the president of was Warner, it president? Yeah, or, like Warner Brothers president. Yeah, it just fucking. <laughs> he's like, no thanks. Yeah, um, but I think this was when they were doing like a live show, and they like just started dosing up the camera crew that they sent to film them. And the camera crew just started like getting real fucking weird with it. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, they were like that, recording that each other and, instead like, of the quick band. Cuts, quick cuts. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite is when they were talking about the, uh, the guy doing sound. Um, and, oh yeah. Like they hired like a new guy for one day and he, they found him like cowering yeah. under the soundboard. <laughs> Dude, the one, oh my God, that one part where, it was the guy who was in the truck doing all the sound. Yeah. And he had to go fix the microphone. And so he goes yeah. in. And then what song was it that they started playing? Uh, Walk Me Out in the Morning Dew. Yeah. And he was just like, he's like, dude, I just started fucking crying. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, I, I can't go to the truck now. I have yeah. to be here. Yeah. At this. And then my favorite is when Jerry looks at him and just gave him, like, the look. Yeah. And they have it on picture of, like, the look that, like, he's giving him just yeah. down. I was like, oh, man. And then but, when they were yeah. they were picking the music for, like, Europe 72, and yeah. he was like, all right, that's definitely going on there. And he's like, and no, exactly. one, no one was in the truck for it. <laughs> exactly. Like, and, and it's the one that makes it, like, the last song on the album and that mm. made the cut. I was like, oh, perfect. They they did so much for music. Yeah. They brought in I I it I don't know if any other band's done it, but they were really the first band to really improvise and really look at it. I mean, they started what, a year after the Beatles came to the US? Yeah. In sixty five? 
I think like, so. I would say, I would probably say everything up to that point, like, even guitar solos were, like, kind of clear-cut, you know what I mean? You knew where it was going to end up and where it was going to, like, bring you to the next verse of the bridge or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? I but feel with like... the dead, they were just like, let's fucking just fly. Let's, let's fly go for it. <laughs> and see where we end up. And it's one of those, like, that, that like, little, like, pretend just, like, that's in every, like, white girl's college. <laughs> shoot for the star. No, sh- yeah, shoot for the sun. If you miss, you'll land somewhere among the stars. <laughs> but honestly, it, they, a lot of their stuff had just a very celestial feel. Yeah, I says, even have a poster that I have right up in, on top of my desk on my wall. And I think you've seen it. Uh, 100 dead songs. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it's this illustration of just 100 different dead songs that show up. And I just think it's really cool that they have it. Yeah, the, it says the Warlocks were formed in early 1965. So Right. Yeah. And actually, if you find on um, the archives, they actually have some of the very first shows that they ever did. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. The Dead played over 2,000 shows in 30 years from 65 to 95 when Jerry passed. I think the last show my dad saw was, I think, the year that Jerry passed. If not that year, then 94. Oh, really? But my dad started following them in about 74. Yeah. Uh, He snuck out of his house, and one of his first shows he saw was like Almond Brothers and Grateful Dead. Ooh, that's a And that's what got him. That's a stack lineup right there. And then when my dad was in, he went to school for for culinary at Johnson & Wales. Mm-hmm. He was a block away from the Providence Civic Center oh, where the dead came to play. And so for three days, whenever they the dead would come, he just caught they would just be like, overrun. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, no one no one in my family is into the Grateful Dead. So I don't have any stories like that. Although I do I do love hearing your stories about your dad and the dead, especially the uh, the Ren Fair one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I, did I say this on the podcast. I don't I think know. I did say it on the podcast. But yeah, um, my dad uh, on one of his first dates with my mom uh, took her to King Richard's Fair in Carver, where Doc Antle yep. used to do his <laughs> Lions show. Oh, um, speaking Tiger of which, show. they're coming out with a new episode like this week of Tiger King. I don't know if you saw oh, that. Shit. They're releasing like a new episode. Oh shit! Yeah, I wonder what's happening. Same. So please. Continue. I do know that they they reopened the case against Carol. I did see and that. her husband. They reopened that case, but but yeah. So my dad ended up ditching my mom because he got a call saying that the dead were playing in Worcester, and my dad asked my mom like, "Can I take you home and go?" <laughs> and <laughs> dropped my mom off at home, plastered. Yeah. <laughs> and then went to go see the Grateful Dead. But my dad has even weirder stories. Um, when he was in Providence, his buddy I think JD mm. was. Uh, camping to get tickets because oh, at wow. that point it was about 83 it was right when touch of gray came out and all the young crowds were getting there and you could barely get tickets and he um ca- so he camped he decided to camp for three days to get tickets for him and on the second day just to like as a thank you for him they all dressed in their chef garb like their culinary school garb they yeah. did the they did like the um little towel over the towel arm over the rest yeah candelabras uh champagne they gave him a boiled lobster dinner. Oh, And they my God. picnicked out a boiled lobster dinner. And all the hippies are standing there like, what the fuck is going on here? But they <laughs> gave him, like, a, a like a three-course meal oh, on the ground as he's camping cool. to get tickets. Which I thought was just hilarious. And, yeah, it's just... He has some really funny stories. Um, he, went to go see, he went to go see the dead in Hartford, Connecticut. Hey. And, uh, yeah. And they took... Excuse me, I got hiccups. They took his car down. They took my dad's car down. Yeah. And his car didn't start after they were trying to get back. So they called AAA. 
and they towed it all the way back to Mass. Mm. And so they went to the to catch a bus to take a bus back uh, and find a place to sleep and everything. And of course, at the bus station are a bunch of just other deadheads. Um, and I, my dad said that was his favorite show that he went to because he was behind the band. Like his seats oh, were cool. behind the band at oh, a stadium. I think it was at the Hartford Coliseum. Civic, is, Civic, Center. Civic Center. The probably. Coliseum was in New Haven. Uh, it was a That's stadium. A, I know that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Um because the New Haven Coliseum, obviously in New Haven, that's gone now. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Van Halen recorded a concert movie there oh, that shit. I have on DVD. It's it's Sammy Hagar. But on ha- the streets of New Haven. Yeah, it's it's Sammy Hagar Van Halen uh, Van Halen now. Um, uh, yeah. Hartford it might be the Civic Center. I think it was the Civic Center, but yeah. So they're at the bus stop, and they're waiting. And my dad sees this woman in a sheer sundress. So you can see everything underneath her. And she is not wearing underwear of any kind. And she's stomping in puddles. And she's just stomping and just stomping. And she turns to my dad, looks him square in the eyes and says this. Puddles. They're a sure thing. (laughs) And that's the only thing she said to him. My dad went, okay. (laughs) And just continued on his day. That was the same concert when my dad has this, like, derby hat. I think I also said this story. And JD had a bunch of roses that he placed around the rim of the hat. And one of them broke and was just dangling. Yeah. And a woman walked by, and he just took it, the broken rose out of the hat and handed it to her and went, this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> Fully. And the woman, oh, thank you. And um, on her eyelids, she wrote Dark Eyes, which is from Shakedown Street. You know, yeah. you got such dark eyes. Did it, did it, did it, did it. <laughs> and so she had, like, dark eyes written on her eyelids. So when she closed her eyes, it said it. I was like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. That's cool. No, yeah. yeah, it they, was definitely probably so the Hartford fun. Civic Center. That's what I'm yeah. seeing a lot of, um, which sounds about right because that's a stadium. Yeah, um, he – my dad has some awesome stories, and I think he might have a bootleg or two. That's cool. I'm I think actually sure. – Oh yeah, the um, the Civic Center is now the XL Center, and that's where I saw Roger Waters. Oh shit, dude! Yeah. So that must have been an amazing show. Let me let me take a look and see uh, um, when the Dead uh, played there, and I can they probably played pinpoint. There, they played there. What year was this? Is it the eighties? Um, that I can't remember. But uh, let me take a look because it seems, if like, I they, it seems it like they played there quite a bit in the eighties. Uh, yeah, the it must have been. Too. Let me take a look. It was probably like eighty four. Yeah. Or eighty three. So I think it was. Yeah, it was probably eighty four, eighty three. Um. And so, I'm just gonna probably pick a day and see if I can find the set list. So yeah, they actually had the full set. So. Um, I don't know if you, you'll probably won't get this, but any other, um, deadheads out there who are listening will get it. Um, starting with Hell in a Bucket, Sugary, El Paso, Birdsong, CC Rider, Tennessee Jed, Jack Straw, and Day Job. Set two was a Scarlet Fire opener into playing in the band, into the drum solo, into space, mm-hmm. out of space into the wheel, Wharf Rat, Back into playing in the band part two and ending with Sugar Magnolia. And the encore was It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, uh, which is a Dylan cover. Um, The Dead did a lot with Dylan. They actually did a series of shows with Dylan. um, A lot of people didn't like it. But I personally enjoyed them. I actually have an uh, an album called Dylan and the Dead. It's about like six songs of just live stuff that 
Dylan played with them, which I thought was really cool. Santana played with the Grateful Dead a lot. Um, Bran- uh, Bran- Branford Marsalis was a jazz uh, saxophone player, mm. and he did some stuff in the very early 90s with the Dead. Um, and there's a great interview that he talks about of playing with Jerry Garcia and everything. But, yeah, I'm going to be sending you so much shit. Yeah, to dude. listen to now, now that you watched the documentary, because <laughs> I'm gonna serious, I'm gonna try my best to turn you into a deadhead. Again, I'm the final boss. You've you've started, you've opened the door. Let's let's say that. Like I said, I don't think I can actually tr- truthfully turn you into a deadhead unless I take you to a show. Yeah. And you're definitely coming with me, me and my dad to a show, dude. Yeah. One day. Fucking I. And just we are gonna just rock out with our socks out, <laughs> and. I was I was looking on looking on Spotify, Mm -hmm. um, because there's so fucking much under their albums there. Yeah. Um, and they do have they do have two dicks picks from Connecticut, so I'll I'll, I'll probably check those out. Um, Yeah. One's from the Civic Center, ten fourteen eighty three, and then the other one I saw was oh is there three of them? Yeah, there's one from New Haven five ten seventy eight. And then I believe there was another one from New Haven as well. I could be wrong. But that was from the uh, the New Haven Coliseum. I went to a circus at the New Haven Coliseum before they turned it, they tore it down. Ooh, and how was I, that? I don't remember because it was a long time ago. Um, but I remember watching them do the de- uh, the demolition on it, like on TV. Oh, wow. Damn, I don't even know how I remember that. Let's see, what year did they, they tore it down? 2007. Okay, so I, I guess I kind of remember that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my only, uh, acquaintance with the New Haven Coliseum is, is just apparently going to a circus there and then watching it get destroyed on television, live television. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In the, in, uh, the Grateful Dead movie, you can, they, they actually show the demolition of the Winterland Ballroom. Oh, cool. Like in it, they filmed it and they put it in it. It was actually directed by Jerry Garcia. Yeah, I, I might, I might really watch cool. that one tonight, maybe. Yeah, um, that's something that you really have to watch to really get a sense. There's some great scenes. My favorite are when they had when they just cut to the audience. Yeah. The fucking audience. There's this great thing about this guy, and of course, this guy's on his high horse of like, who's real? The only, they're only making this film because of. Uh, to make money and shit like that. And this guy comes up to him, he's like, you know, <laughs> in 10 years, this movie will exist, and guess what? You'll probably pay money to go see it in a theater. So, <laughs> guess what? And it's crazy. I actually, um, my senior year, or my junior year, I went to go see the Grateful Dead meetup where they uh, re-released the Grateful Dead movie. Oh, cool. And that was the what they screened. And, oh, man, it was so cool. Because they prefaced it with a dead and company uh doing ripple of like yeah. a live clip of dead and company doing that song and they went into the grateful dead movie but my dad and i some uh, try to go almost every year uh we saw Vanita oregon 72 uh beat club uh in germany 72 and they did the recording for their uh, europe 72 tour mm. and uh we saw uh sullivan stadium uh 89 it's actually where they got the um the clip at the very end of Dear Mr. Fantasy. And, okay, yeah. uh, and what's really cool is when they did that one live, uh, to keep the song going, they went into the end of Hey Jude. Oh, Because it's the cool. same chord progression. Yeah. And they went off. And as they're doing the na-na-na-nas, um, Brent Midland is still doing Dear Mr. Fantasy over it, <laughs> which is really cool. 
Um, but yeah, I, I'm gonna send you so much stuff of what I consider like peak like live stuff. Yeah. Um, top, top but tier. I'm gonna send you a bunch of studio stuff too. Yeah, I definitely yeah, got to get, really get cool into stuff. that. Mm-hmm. I'll have my. You, you picked a great time because <laughs> my furlough starts tomorrow. So. Right, just like he can't leave, guys. Fucking start playing the Grateful Dead. <laughs> yeah. I show up. I show up to your place one day. Richie, what are you doing here? I turn around, lock the door. Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Driving that train. <laughs> no, no, okay. stop, stop okay. it. So. I'm glad you you made that reference. Um, so we're gonna jump back to unorthodox really quick. Oh yes, please this, go for it. This shit is fucking hilarious. So mm-hmm. I'm watching this episode today, and um, yep. this is an episode two. Again, it's it's this woman escaping to Berlin and trying to start a new life, but they have a lot of flashbacks mm. um, to see how she got there because it was like she was married for a year. Mm-hmm. And I guess was really dissatisfied with it and wanted to wanted to leave, so they keep cutting back to stuff that like led up to that, and they have footage from her and her husband's wedding, mm-hmm. and there's a scene of it where it's focused on her, and this is like pre like, just when the ceremony's starting, and then it cuts to a, a video or like a a sh- shot of him, mm-hmm. and I don't really know how to verbally describe what he's doing i know there's definitely a a meaning behind it it's yep. sort of like this like head nodding thing with his eyes closed and mm-hmm. again i'm not sure what the significance is for that in their religion so i'm not going to try to overcomplicate it by trying to explain it but that's what he's doing and just the way that he was moving his head and body and his eyes were closed i saw like a second of it and i was like I need to make a video of me playing Casey <laughs> Jones behind that because he looks like he's just fucking at a dead show grooving out. <laughs> and I yes. did. And so I made a video of it on Snapchat of me just playing it and playing it on Spotify. And I'm like, I have to send this to Richie, but I can make it better. So I, scre- yeah. I screen recorded my screen watching that on Netflix Damn. and then intercut it with footage of the Grateful Dead playing live that song. And we just cut oh, it back man. to him like grooving out. So... <laughs> That was my my creative outlet for the day. And I would never have thought of that if I didn't watch this documentary. So again, your timing is impeccable. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I'm I'm going to be sending you so much shit to listen to and just oh man, it's going to be great. I think now would be a good time to go into Richie's uh poetry corner. Yeah, dude, totally. Would what you, do you like? uh what do you, have, what do you have for us today? Awesome. I have a poet. Uh, his name is James Wright. Okay. Uh James Wright was born in Martins Ferry, Ohio. Uh, and many of his strongest poems return to the abandoned factory towns and lowly, lonely farms of the Midwest to, quote, the ache and sorrow of darkened earth, unquote. Um, he, uh, he won the Pulitzer Prize in 1972. Uh, his collected poems did that. He taught at Hunter College. Um, and so he is very, uh, they evoke the deep image. So I have three shorter poems to read today cool. uh, that we could talk about. <clears throat> so if you'd like, the first poem is called Lying in a Hammock at William Duffy's Farm in Pine Island, Minnesota. So, yeah, pretty pretty uh, obvious to see where we are. Yes. <laughs> All right. Over my head, I see the bronze butterfly asleep on the black trunk, blowing like a leaf in green shadow. Down the ravine behind the empty house, the cowbells follow one another into the distances of the afternoon. To my right, 
In a field of sunlight between two pines, the droppings of last year's horses blaze up into, the, into golden stones. I lean back as the evening darkens and comes on. A chicken hawk floats over, looking for home. I have wasted my life. <laughs> Everything's great until that last line. Yeah. What is that just... He, he's sitting on a ha- hammock, and he is he's seeing just everything, and he's hearing everything, and then all of a sudden, it's just, I have wasted my life. Well, so, here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. He's sitting on his hammock in, where was this? William Duffy's farm in Pine Island, Minnesota. Okay, so, my interpretation of it is maybe he's taking all of this in, and is like, I've wasted my life because I'm doing something different normally than taking advantage of this like sort of like nature farmscape sort of thing exactly. that was like a quick idea um, I, I i i think i agree with that interpretation after seeing everything and just being in that pastoral yeah. vibe and you're like shit just, i could have been doing this for a lot longer um, exactly i feel like th- yeah i i would agree with that interpretation actually mm-hmm. i think that's a really great interpretation of this poem uh, i love the line um What's that one? Down the ravine behind the empty house, the cowbells follow one another into the distances of the afternoon. Mm. Uh, not cows, the cowbells, because he's hearing it, and it's yeah, just... just the bells. And, and how do you hear something following something else? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, it like, it really also cool. totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like... Exactly. I'm, I'm loving these little descriptive pieces. Oh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely me too. It's definitely helping when, you know, it's been cloudy out and we're stuck inside. To sort of, like, get transported there for a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here's the next one. The next a poem is called Beginning. Okay. The moon drops one or two feathers into the field. The dark wheat listens. Be still. Now. There they are. The moon's young, trying their wings. Be- between trees, a slender woman lifts up the lovely shadow of her face. And now she steps into the air. Now she is gone wholly into the air. I stand alone by an elder tree. I do not dare breathe or move. I listen. The wheat leans back toward its own darkness, and I lean toward mine. Ooh, fuck. Yeah. I love those last two lines. Yes. Um, I stand alone by an elder tree. I do not dare breathe or move. I listen. Mm. The wheat leans back toward its own darkness, and I lean toward mine. Um... I love a slender woman lifts up the lovely shadow of her face. Mm. Um, is the is the woman the moon? Yeah, I don't know. That's a lot or is, more. I feel I like mean, it's open to interpretation or more abstract. Yeah, I mean the the moon is clearly a bird. The moon drops one or two feathers. Yeah, the moon's young trying their wings. Um, I love there they are. The moon's young. I see that as the stars. Ooh. Um. Things like that. Um, and the the woman, I, I, I feel like, is uh, the wind. Okay, I could see that. He chose an elder tree. Yeah. Why would he choose an elder tree? Is that signifying the, the, the oldness of life? Is this now, is he now in, like, the fourth season, if we're th- t- thinking midsummer, you know what I mean? <laughs> is he in the, the winter, we can I- say? I, uh, I real I really quick, like I, I saw a tweet today that was Midsummer is just Fight Club for white girls or like white <laughs> oh, women, shit. and I'm like, you know what? 
I but I'm here for it. <laughs> yep. Both Midsummer and Fight. Yo, you want to do a double screening Midsummer and Fight Club? <laughs> uh, no thanks. Cause I actually I I like my sanity, <laughs> just the way it is. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. So uh, what is what is poem numero numero three for us? So this last poem is called A Blessing. Okay. Just off the highway to Rochester, Minnesota, twilight bounds softly forth on the grass, and the eyes of those two Indian ponies darken with kindness. They have come gladly out of the willows to welcome my friend and me. We, stepped over the, we step over the barbed wire into the pasture, where they have been grazing all day alone. They ripple tensely, they can hardly contain their happiness that we have come. They bow shyly as wet swans, they love each other. There is no loneliness like theirs. At home once more, they begin munching the young tufts of spring in the darkness. I would like to hold the slenderer one in my arms, for she has walked over to me and nuzzled my left hand. She is black and white, her mane falls wild on her forehead, and the light breeze moves me to caress her long ear that is delicate as the skin over a girl's wrist. Suddenly I realize that if I stepped out of my body I would break into blossom. Ooh. Oh man, I love this poem. I forgot what the I was trying to remember the wording on it, um. But it was talking about the the horse like grazing. It's like eating yes. the springs young. Is that what what it was? Yes. So um, yep. Let me. Was that the correct right. verbiage for that? Yep. They begin munching the young tufts of spring there in the darkness. Go. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, just because like that's such an interesting way of saying. Like, flower grass. Like grass coming up and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I, like, it didn't even take me a, a minute to realize that's what he was saying. I was just like, oh, yeah, no, that makes total sense. And that's such a great way to put it, too. <laughs> yep. I love his description. Uh, and the light breeze moves me to caress her long ear that is delicate as the skin over a girl's wrist. Mm. What you know, sh- what just like, how do I describe this delicateness? Uh, yeah. I'll use this. and I think that's a really cool way. Um, so he is horse riding, I want to say. Okay. Just off the highway, twilight bounds softly, and the eyes of those two Indian ponies darken with kindness. Mm-hmm. So he is, he's there. Um, I, it, the blessing, uh, I believe the blessing would be the nuzzling, I want to say. So his interaction of nature. Yeah. I could definitely human. agree with that. So now you have... I would consider in this poem human is machine and nature is na- and pony is the nature. Okay. So it's that melding of the two that is the blessing I want to say, and I really mm-hmm. like that poem. Yeah, no, that was that was a good one. Yeah. Um, I think that one might be my favorite of the three. Although yeah. I like, I did like all three of them. Um, yeah, I, I feel like each one actually has like something in it that I really like. Especially his last lines of poems. Yeah, I was, ju- I was literally just about to say, like, the, so far with all three, like, or most of yeah. them, maybe not this one, because I sort of like this one just overall as a whole, but, like, the other two, I'm like, those last lines are really, really yeah. what's hitting the home runs for me right now. I have wasted my life for the first yeah. one. The second last line is, uh, the wheat leans back toward its own darkness and I lean toward mine. And the third one is suddenly I realized that if I stepped out of my body, oh, yeah. I would break yep. into blossom. Like, again, it's like it's sort of like the um, the one that I read on last episode. Um, 
course, I'm obviously forgetting the author's name now. Was um, Rip Rap? Who was yes, that? Rip Rap. That was um, Rip Rap. I believe was Allen Ginsberg. No. Um, how can I forget? Uh, this? Gary Snyder. Yes, I believe so. Let me just do a quick check. Um, I read Hay for the Horses. Yes, that's right. Yep, that was Gary Snyder. So, and it's sort of the same thing with that, because again, like the last, um, the last lines on that one were, it's like you know, I'd hate to spend my whole life bucking hay, and damn it, that's just what I've done. And it's yes. sort of the same thing with this, where the author just like they set up this whole, you know mental landscape for you and then you get to the last lines and it's just like well here you go and it's just like whoa because you get so ingrained into it and so drawn into it and then they just mm -hmm. they zing you with that last line and it's you're like yes i, I understand <laughs> so yeah i think we i think you brought it up too but i also want to just recommend for our viewers to listen to um Jack Kerouac and Steve Allen. Oh, yeah. I think it's called song. I think it's called Poems for a Beat Generation or something like that. Mm. And it's uh, Steve Allen, the talk show host, playing jazz piano under Jack Kerouac reciting poetry. It is incredible. It's insane. I thoroughly enjoy it. And I also, haven't, I haven't uh, listened to the whole thing yet. I'm waiting for just like the right rainy, rainy afternoon to mm -hmm. just put it on and sit there, um, which I probably could have done last week because it was raining a lot but we'll get more of it um but yeah, yeah we're gonna just, get more in the next couple days i would say of some just, rain what but, a great combination right because again Kerouac, the, Steve the video that i the first video that i sent you of that and how i found out about this was Kerouac was on this guy's like late night show mm -hmm. and they just did that on the late night show like could you imagine something like that happening now i mean like I don't really know who would be a contemporary Kerouac, but like, yeah, that something about that is just so perfect for that time period and just feels so right. And is like, imagine, exactly. imagine being there for that and just mm -hmm. watching it. Oh my God. Yep. Yep. And also I was going through my Blu-rays to find the copy of Long Strange Trip that I could show Weber like that I have it. Yeah. Um, I found two that I really uh, think that people should really watch. Uh, the first one is uh, more serious. Um, I have Imagine by John and Yoko. Okay. And uh, Give Me Some Truth, the making of the Imagine album double feature on Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, um, Imagine is, is basically the, the album Imagine, but in video form. Yeah. Um, and then uh, keep, Mac keep and that Me. Away. Keep that away from Gal Gadot. Oh, my God, Mac and Me. Yeah, <laughs> we have to yes. watch that sometimes. <laughs> so we have to do a watch party on Mac and Me and react to it. But yes. this is this is the best movie ever made. All right, this is a this is an ET ripoff, best movie ever. Um, they have a sequence, they have a dance sequence at a McDonald's. Oh my god! But it's not sponsored by McDonald's. It's sponsored by the transportation department of McDonald's. Whoa! <laughs> this is the best movie ever. Um, I love it. This is the clip that Paul Rudd always shows when he's on Conan comes from this movie. Oh jeez. So yeah, I really enjoy. I has uh, do you watch Red Letter Media? Um, they're on YouTube. Maybe if I saw like one of the videos they made, so, I'd be like, "Oh, okay, I know that." They do. They're all movie based. Um, mm -hmm. They do a lot of stuff where they'll talk about you know maybe some newer movies or go and like review older movies and talk about them. Mm -hmm. But they have this series called Best of the Worst. 
Ooh. Where they, because these guys are, they only have like one point, I'm looking at their YouTube right now, it's like 1.15 million subscribers, but they have like a whole like warehouse and stuff and like studio that they shoot in, mm-hmm. and people just send them VHS tapes and send them movies, and some of them are like just shitty movies, and other ones are like weird instructional videos from the 80s or like just oh perfect vhs tapes that have nothing written on them and they just have to guess but so they have this series called best of the worst well they'll pick like three or four usually through some weird me like means they have like a called wheel of the worst where they spin a wheel and it lands on them um oh i like that you would get a kick out of this because they're the shittiest movies ever oh Um, perfect and actually recently you know who one of their friends is who's on the show a lot? Who? Macaulay Culkin. Oh, yes. And let me tell oh, you, yeah. right now, Macaulay Culkin, he's a cool motherfucker. He is. I want to go have lunch with him. Yeah, uh, that would be... All right, there it is. That's my new... That's my new lunch... My celebrity lunch date would be Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. This guy Culkin. is fucking hilarious, and he just... He works with them so, so well. Um, Did they talk about the bad... Was it Was it called the good The Good Son? I don't know, um, but because I want to see if they talk about Mac and me because I'm sure they do at some point. If it's that, bad. oh man, because I don't know if you remember a movie that was Macaulay Culkin and I think Elijah Wood. Ooh. And it was called uh, The Good Son. I think it was called, and it's just a really shitty movie about like this psychopathic kid played by Macaulay Culkin, <laughs> who like ends up like killing people and shit. It's oh my weird. God. Yeah. But um, I was also just pulling up, and I have them here, some Criterion collections that I own. Ooh. Um, the first one I think that we should really watch is um, Al-Hassad Balthazar. Okay. Um, this was uh, Robert Brisson, uh, is the director, came out in 1966. It is about a donkey, um, and it follows the life of this donkey um, through the eyes of the donkey, but it's all about his different owners, some nice, some abusive, so nice, yeah. um, things like that. Also, I have... Um, Nabuhiku Obayashi's uh, 1977 film House. Ooh, um, it is a cover. surrealist horror film. Oh, um, and I don't know if you can see some of the. So this, uh, the book that is in it has like a bunch of like weird or like stills from the film. Yeah. So like I gotta find some like stills from the film that I can show you on here and are maybe you, try to describe. Are you the familiar with um, Suspiria? Oh man, I love Suspiria, dude. Yeah, dude, I such a good fucking movie. I watched that. Obviously, the I think I have access to the um the new one, but I just haven't watched it. I watched the original one, and it legitimately like creeped me the fuck out. Like, yeah. it was really good. Is that a racer head sh- that I see? <laughs> yes, here's a shout out to Reagan Murphy. I have a racer head on the Criterion Collection. Oh my god. Oh, um, it is fucking unbelievable, mainly because it comes with, like, this full fucking, like, book. Oh, wow. On, like, the making of it, and it, uh, I believe it has an interview with David Lynch. Oh, was that the uh, the Art Life you were watching the other day? I was watching the Art Life the I, other I day, like and I'm trying to get life. into it. So, yeah. Oh. Yeah, Eraserhead is just, it's one of those movies where you, it's one of those have-to-watches-before-you-die yeah. type thing. This came out the same year as Star Wars. I don't know if you know, 77. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, and this also has uh, short films by uh, David Lynch. Um, Six Men Getting Sick, The Alphabet, The Grandmother, The Amputee Version 1 and Version 2, and Premonitions Following an Evil Dead, um, all with video introductions by Lynch. So. Oh, my God, that's awesome. 
Also, we never talked about it on here. But I know. I was literally we, just thinking about that. Or you think what I'm thinking? We have to talk about what would Jack do. Yeah, let's let's save that for another time in the week so I can get another watch in and we can really dive into it because we're about to hit an hour. And yeah. I need to go rewatch it a couple times. And I say a couple yeah. times because it's 15 minutes long. <laughs> right, yeah. So um, if uh, if any of our viewers would like to watch it uh, with us uh, and um, talk about it in the comments tomorrow, definitely start watching. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it'll be great. Um, so yeah, it's uh, so, it's so, so weird. And I love what would it. Jack do? Um, I just remember cause I forgot what it was. I was on Twitter and then I saw like David Lynch trending and I was like, Oh, what's this about? And then I was I like, saw you better one. not have died. No, I, I never get on that, especially now. Cause it's like with the coronavirus thing, every time you see a celebrity trending, you go on it. It's like a thousand tweets being like. Oh my god, saw Bill Murray was trending, thought he got coronavirus, thank god, almost had a heart attack. So uh, that's why a couple days ago when Van Gogh was trending, I tweeted, I was like, yo, saw Van Gogh was trending, almost had a heart attack, dude, I thought he got corona. <laughs> um, that would actually be funny. I would. But I, I saw David Lynch and then What Would Jack Do trending, so I, I clicked on it and I was like, yeah, new David Lynch short film on Netflix, and it was, I'm, I'm in. And uh, I still don't know what to what to make of it but i'm working on it exactly i've if, watched it like about six it tomorrow, times i think yeah I, i've seen it about four or five times and then i forced all my uh funny please members to watch it good, as well good. um but yeah so if uh i feel like that would be the, the main topic of discussion tomorrow well we could either um, do it perhaps tomorrow or perhaps the next day because as far as i know i have to double check i think tomorrow our good friend from school elena freedom's gonna be on the show Oh yes, that would be great. Yes, I'm excited for that. So I'll I'll see what's up with that. Um, because I know they have a like a headset with a microphone that they use for work, and I'm yep. like, that's perfect. That's great. Just plug that shit in the garage band and let's go. Yes, um, definitely. So I'll follow up, and we'll probably have that. That'll be a fun episode. Yeah. And then let's shoot for um the episode two days. after that. Two days. It's so yeah. weird because I want to say Tuesday. But it's the but, episode. It's the episode that comes out yeah. on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, but yeah, I feel like I'll also pull up some surrealist poetry to read that day as well. Ooh. So we can have a really big uh, sense fuckery okay, going I'll, on. I'll do. I'll do that. I'll do the same thing as well. I'll do my research. Perfect. Let's let's each try to find a surrealist poem to do. Okay. I like. I, like I love this. how we're just discussing our plans for future podcasts. Hey, on well, the episode. see, this is good because now it's set in stone. Because I'm gonna have to re-listen to this tomorrow when I edit it. Um, mm-hmm. and like export and everything so i'm like okay now it's gonna be my head twice so perfect that's good um awesome and so, yeah. you gotta look inside the the podcaster studio and mm-hmm. see how we're doing this motherfucker <laughs> you know I, th- I think it's a good time to take this puppy out back and shoot it don't you think yeah you know i mean why not <laughs> jesus I, I got nothing for that <laughs> sorry curly Oh jeez, that's an, uh, a mice and men reference. That's a oh, Steinbeck reference there. Fuck. So, uh, <laughs> oh man, I'm going to hell. So, uh, so on that note, this was <laughs> yeah. definitely a totally different episode than anything we've ever really done. Um, mm-hmm. We had like a more music-based episode a couple times ago, but this is really keyed in on just the dead, and then you know some other stuff at towards the end, and I like that. Yeah. Um. So. Ooh. First of all, also tomorrow is when I got to file for unemployment. So not only will we hopefully have our good friend from school, Anna Friedman, on the show, you'll also get my firsthand experience on that and any sort of... You mean today you file for unemployment? 
the dates that I put on the title cards when I put them on the video are the days we recorded them. So today. Okay. So, <laughs> so tomorrow. Today. Um, All right. Or no, so fuck. So tomorrow. <laughs> so, to, y- <sighs> so Monday. Yesterday, you filed for unemployment. Yeah. Um, Perfect. Six weeks from three months ago. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you'll, <laughs> you'll get my firsthand experience with that. So that should be good. And then I'll keep you all updated on all that fun shit. Perfect. Um, so I am probably going to go take a shower and then watch the Grateful Dead movie. Nice. Um, I'll, I'll definitely let you know how I think about what I think about that. Word. For everyone else, thank you for listening. I know it's a bit, bit of a departure, but I think we had a pretty good discussion. And of course, Poetry Hour, that's... That's it. That's that's a great addition, and I'm super glad we're doing it every. I'm episode. really excited to start doing poetry hour, and I hope to maybe even do some uh, personal poetry on poetry hour. That would be fantastic. Richie, Richie's poetry corner. I'm gonna call it. I like that. Get a yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make up like a whole lore how this is like from like the Chuckle Club. Was it? Yeah, it's the <laughs> Chuckle Club. Uh, proudly announces Richie's uh, Richie's poetry corner. Okay, you said so. g- you said Giggle Hut last time. I said the Giggle Hut. Yeah. Uh, no, we're the, we're the, we're the, what did I call, what did I call it today? The chuckle hut? The chuckle corner? Chuckle hut. Yeah, I like the chuckle hut. I like the chuckle Let's hut. Let's just say they, they got new owners, like coronavirus kind of put them out of business, but then someone with a lot of money picked up the tab and bought it over, so. Exactly, and it, it's, uh, we're keeping people six feet apart here at the chuckle club. <laughs> um, so that said, stay tuned for hopefully lots of other cool things. Thank you everyone for listening, hanging out. And whatever y'all are doing while you're listening to this, I hope it's fun. I hope everyone has a good afternoon, evening, night, morning, whenever you listen to this. Mm-hmm. Thank you once again. Keep hanging in there. We're it's, it's April and we're still we still got a long road to go, but we got this. Stay safe. So stay safe, stay cool, and as always, stay socially distanced.